be surprised to know that I've only talked about this once. The title of this message is Let the River Flow. You would think that that's something that I probably have talked about a lot, but I haven't once about six or seven years ago. But um, I had a really good word for you, and I hope this is better than, uh, because I think this is where the Lord's leading. Um, I don't like to talk about this a lot because we can get weird with river stuff, you know. Um, I know I wrote the song, and um, <clears throat> but there is significance in Scripture. Um, and In Scripture, what does the river typically represent? Ezekiel 47, Revelation 2, even Genesis 2. Who is, what is the river? Spirit of God, right? Work with me, people. Work with me. And Genesis 2, um, we see the first uh, picture of it when God creates uh, Adam and Eve and puts them in the Garden of Eden. Eden meaning atmosphere or presence. And the Lord's desire for you and I is that we learn to not just be aware that He's everywhere because we can say, well, God's everywhere. He's, he's in me, He's on me, He's everywhere. But to be more than aware of that, but to learn to walk in the presence of the Lord and experience Him. And uh, it's a wonderful thing to have confidence to be near God. James 4, he says, Come near me and I'll come near you. And to come near means to draw near, to pursue, to approach, to, to run after. It involves our attention and our affection. It's the stuff that worship's made of. And so God wouldn't invite you near unless He wanted you there. He wouldn't invite you near unless it was possible to walk near Him in relationship. I'm not talking about proximity. I'm talking about relationship. And He wouldn't invite us near unless He made provision for it because He knows we're schmoes. And so in Jesus, He's made a way for that. And so right from the beginning, we know that Adam and Eve had that nearness of relationship with God, didn't they? He even says that after they sinned, um, you know, they went hiding and uh, doing the fig leaf deal. And it says that they heard the sound of God walking in the garden. Wouldn't you like to see the YouTube video on that? <laughs> God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. I don't know if it's a Jurassic Park kind of thing because they heard him, it says. You know. Okay. So, where did I stand that that happens if I need that again? <coughs> that was pretty cool. So, let's pray. And they heard the sound of the Lord, and so they, they hid from Him because they had chosen, they had come into their, their bets and things. They made choices that were other than an amen with God. And so, they were ashamed about it. And that's what sin will do. It'll put shame on your life. That's why I wrote in the song. We haven't sung it yet, but I'm trading my shame. They were hiding from God, but we know that God uh, saw where they were. Uh, Hebrews 4.13 says, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of Him to whom we must give account. That scares me. It should you a little bit, too. And so, but God, we, we, we must get a hold of God's heart when he cries out to them. He knew where they were, but he cries out, Adam, where are you? What have you done to what we had? 
And he had, he had provided wonderful things there in the garden for them. One of them was this river. And ever since that time, that, sep- that moment of separation, God's design and plan and heart was that you and I would walk in closeness with him. But he knew that we couldn't get there on our own. Look at this. Genesis 2, 10 says, A river watering the garden flowed from Eden, or the atmosphere, the presence of the Lord. From there it separated into four headwaters. The name of the first is Pishon. It winds through the entire land of Havilah, where there is gold. (coughs) The gold of that land is good. Anyone say amen to that? Any gold is good. Uh, The gold of that land is good. Aromatic resin and onyx are also there. The name of the second river is Gihon. It winds through the entire land of Cush, or Mesopotamia. Uh, The name of the third river is the Tigris. It runs along the east side. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. The Lord took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work and take care of it. So I always wondered why we needed to know the name of these four, you know, the river and the headwaters. We see in Ezekiel 47, that's where I wrote the song, Let the River Flow From. We know that Ezekiel was led into this river where God is in control of things and he's not. And we, we see it again in Revelation. And so I, I was, I'm curious about it. So I want to know what this means or what this looks like. You're going to love this. This is about to get good. The first river in Genesis 2, the first headwater that breaks off the Pishon, it means river. It means flow increases. It also means flows into the land of pain for healing. Now notice that that one is the one that had gold in it. <coughs> now, I want you to get the picture of this river uh, where the bed or the river, the, 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 the soil underneath the, the water contains gold and resin, all this good stuff, treasure. And so it... Uh, it it denotes that within the meaning of its name. It means treasures are locked up in the land, but they're locked up in the pain of the land until the river loosens it and draws it out. And this, of course, is prophetically speaking of our lives. So the Pishon means flow increases and flows into the land of pain for healing. Treasures are locked up in the land or in the pain until the river loosens it up and draws it out. Um, as hurt increases, the flow increases. The flow depends on the level of hurt. Power, peace, love, healing, joy, deliverance are in the flow of this river. In other words, in the flow of God's Spirit to you, where pain in your life is increased, so will His grace. So will his mercy. So will his healing. Where the pain increases, so does the flow from God. If we avail ourselves to it. So easy for me to experience something and then close off. You, maybe? To the Lord, to the. And maybe not on purpose, but I just don't want anyone touching that hurt or that pain. And I might act out in different ways that aren't pleasing to the Lord. But then when I've, uh, I've taken uh, um, periods of my life and found moments and times of opening up to the Lord and healing and where pain has increased in my life, so has the flow of God's mercy to me. And that's what Pishon means. And 
what uh, the, the picture I want you to get is that all the things that are good that are locked up in us from God, all the treasures, all the gold, all the good stuff, that when we open up to the Lord for Him to just touch all those things, that what the pain produces in our life is gold that floats to the top of the river. It's good stuff. The second headwater, Gishon, means springs break forth. Springs break forth. And it means into the night, into the dark terror or where there's fear in your life. Into the memories that torment. Many of us have done things that we have a hard time forgiving ourselves of. I've struggled with that. That somehow we want to continually punish ourselves for wrongs that we've done, memories that torment us. My father-in-law, he's here tonight, Steve, he spoke a message a couple weeks back, New Year, about uh, what we might be able to step into in God if we let go of the past. To grab a hold of what God has for us, sometimes we need to, we need to get past ourselves and get past our past. So this means springs break forth into the night, into the areas of terror or fear in our life, into memories that torment. And it means no hiding. That there is no terror when you walk holy before the Lord that you don't hide from Him like Adam and Eve did. You hide in Him. Psalm 91 talks about what we just sang about. It says, He who lives or dwells or hangs out a lot in the secret place of the Most High God will will find themselves under His shadow in rest. That you're no longer covered by a cloud of past failures and mistakes or memories that torment, but you're covered by Him. What a wonderful peace and confidence there is there. Not self-confidence. I don't know if you struggle with this. I do. Sometimes I feel like... I've got to put together two or three really good Daryl weeks before I can come before the Lord with confidence in worship or prayer. You? And that's the wrong order of things. So he says, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. And then it says, wash your hands, sinners. We don't get things right and then come to him in confidence saying, hey, I'm good, right? You know? We come to him and he makes us right. And so this thing about learning to dwell or live in the atmosphere of God that He originally designed for us <coughs> is a wonderful thing. And when pain happens in our life, which it will, you're a human, and that when we don't close ourselves off and we just open up to Him, we never have to fear what He's going to do with us because it always produces good things. You can trust your heart, your hurt, your memories, your tormenting things with Him. I promise you, you can. Because springs break forth. And there's no more hiding from Him. There's hiding in Him. Then the Tigris means one who is happy. And it also means into society. One who is happy and sent out into society. Pretty cool, huh? So it's this thing where, uh, where hurt increases, his flow to me increases. And, 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 and where there's torment, springs break forth. And, and good things are coming up. And then 
there's a happiness in God there. And then He sends you out in joy to other people. The idea is that the fruit of our life would benefit others. The fourth one, Euphrates, means a burst of sweetness or to make fruitful. It's like biting into a juicy orange. My, um, I have three kids. Leah's five. She just turned five. And Connor's three. And Zachary's two. Five, three, and two. Pray for my wife. <laughs> and, and me. But, well, I'm going on the road tomorrow for a month, so pray for my wife. <coughs> but Zachary, when he gets that uh, orange or tangerine in his mouth, you know, do you guys still do this at Christmas? And Does Santa still bring you like an orange and an apple and nuts in your stocking? Walnuts and stuff? Santa does that for us because he knows we like that. And uh, he gets that Christmas orange and bites into it. And there's that burst of sweetness. But my son likes it so much that an, uh, an hour and a half later, he's still got it in his mouth. It's disgusting. I have to have him spit it into my hand. He doesn't. I'm like, son, how come you're not talking? Just drooling. But the Euphrates means a burst of sweetness or to make fruitful. And my fruitfulness or this, God's desire is to bring sweetness into your life. He doesn't want you to be tormented all the time. He doesn't want you to live there. He doesn't want you to live in your own failures. He doesn't want to just daily punish you. He wants to bring about sweetness in your life. So you to enjoy Him. You to enjoy living. And that there's, He wants you to enjoy those bursts of sweetness. And He wants our lives to be a burst of sweetness to others. That others could taste and see that He's good because of what He's done in our life. And then the homework would be to look at Galatians 5 again, a familiar passage. Even Revelation 22 when it talks about the river that flows from God's throne. It says that the trees there bear fruit every month. They're always bearing fruit. Because they live there. They live in the banks of the river. So I've found that confession and prayer and repentance have to happen before fruit. Jesus says, produce fruit in keeping with your repentance. And that's why James, is it 5.16? Where's Chuck? It says, confess your sins one to another and pray for each other that you might be healed. And so God's river is not just about a 1995 renewal experience. It's about the healing of our life to bring about treasure, the gold, the goodness of God through you, the fruit of God through you, and sweetness to your life. We're meant to enjoy this Jesus journey. So I've, I just felt like that was what I was supposed to share with you tonight. But let me just ask the Lord for a moment where to go. Yeah, there's, there's, there's uh, this might sound like an obvious statement. It doesn't have to be a prophetic statement. But I'm sure that there's, there are dreams in this room that you feel are just laying dormant right now. And I really believe that this year, while the world is struggling economically and otherwise, and people are trying to figure things out, that <clears throat> uh, those of us that 
hide in Him. Not only are we going to not be affected by that stuff, we're going to be the sweetness in this world. That burst of life and that first bite of that orange. <clears throat> and that the treasure that's locked up, the dreams that you have in God. This is the year for dreams to be fulfilled or to begin walking in them. You have not wrecked it. You haven't wrecked it. You haven't taken yourself out of it. I love what, my, what, what Steve said a couple weeks ago. He, he said, you're not in plan B now. Many of us feel like, well, I, kinda, I made this decision, that decision. I went through a divorce. I did this. I allowed myself to do that. I made bad decisions. I walked away. I did this, that, and the other. I'm in plan B or probably D by now. You're still in plan A. And just it's time to just let the river flow. <laughs> and, and, and I want you to know that those dreams are from God. And He hasn't abandoned them. And so don't you. I think we ought to pray. And those of you that sense your distance from the Lord, that you're... You love God, but you, there's that the, the intimacy that you once had, you don't. God's welcoming you back to that closeness, that daily intimate place, that daily secret life where everything good comes out of. God always brings to light what we do in secret. And ministry and, and fruit of our life, ministry is an overflow of time spent with Jesus. I don't have any ministry unless I've been with Jesus. I can't rely on 1985 and my altar experience there. I've, if I'm going to have anything fresh in my life or anything good to, for others to taste and see that He's good, I've got to have that good secret thing going. And so let's just ask the Lord to help us with that and draw us near again. And we, actually, it's our job to draw near. When we come into salvation, it's Him that draws, but when we know Him, it's us that draws. And let's ask.